Have you ever noticed that podcasts are a little like sharks? When they stop swimming, they die, and they can both smell blood from a mile away. So in the spirit of keeping swimming, I'd like to introduce you to TOS Plus. Putting my business pants on for a second, TOS Plus is our new premium membership thingamajig. It's the all-access pass to a growing library of exclusive horror, sci-fi, and WTF audio fiction, along with access to the regular TOS weekly stories in higher quality, a week early, and ad-free. Once again, that's exclusive episodes, ad-free, a week early, and higher quality audio. You'll also get access to the brand new TOS Plus Vault, where you can grab our ebooks, comics, and desktop wallpapers and all sorts of stuff. All of this is available today via our Patreon campaign, which includes juicy extras like Discord access, audiobooks, and merch. And if you're an Apple user, you can subscribe directly via the Apple Podcasts app. We're now in our eighth year of the podcast, and we've got so many cool projects on the boil none of which would be possible without the ongoing support of our listeners, specifically our premium subscribers, our super-powered patrons, and the many multi-dimensional voodoo priests air-guitaring to the TOS intro jingle. For more, head over to theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Once again, that's theotherstories.net forward slash plus. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> The Gorgon's Head, written by Ben Arrington, narrated by Justin Fife. Rory didn't like other people all that much. Sure, he had time for some of his closest family. He could tolerate the company of his mom, dad, and brother occasionally, but never all at the same time. But almost everybody else would get on his nerves to such a degree that he'd only venture outside, away from the confines and security of his bedroom, when absolutely necessary. Unfortunately for him, according to his parents at least, school was absolutely necessary. His classmates were intolerable, the self-centered bravado of most of them giving him a headache that would often last after the school day had finished, long into his evenings, what he considered to be his time. He needed the evenings to escape from the thoughts that nagged at him as he relived the days, the awkward conversations, the misunderstandings, and the provoking at the hands of a certain group of boys who seemed to have taken a distinct disliking to him, a dislike that was wholeheartedly reciprocated. It had started several months ago, and although Rory had found it relatively easy to ignore much of their unkind mockery, it started to get to him when the teasing began to manifest itself as physical violence. Rory wasn't much of a fighter, and even if he could throw a punch, part of him didn't want to stoop as low as the bullies. He just wanted them to leave him alone. 
He'd much rather keep himself to himself, but that was becoming increasingly difficult. If he told his dad, he'd just demand that Rory defend himself. He was very much an eye-for-an-eye kind of man. If he knew half of what his son had been subjected to, he'd likely march down to the school and break a bone in each of the kids who'd been giving Rory grief. In particular, the ringleader, Theo. They'd push him and call him names, some that Rory didn't understand. It often happened between lessons or on the way home, when Rory had to occasionally change his route just to avoid a confrontation. On one particular rainy evening, the boys had appeared at the end of an alleyway Rory used as a shortcut to get to his estate and kicked him hard in the legs. He could barely walk, let alone run away. Theo had spat in his face and called him a faggot. Rory's escape from the stress of having to attend school every day were his stories. He'd been writing them since he was six or so. His ability to create worlds of wonder and intrigue growing steadily as he aged. His inspiration came from books he read, paintings he'd studied, and movies he'd watched, usually in a darkened room long after his bedtime, as he didn't have a television of his own, his dad snoring away slumped on the sofa. He preferred films about monsters and the heroes who conquered them, usually to protect a damsel in distress or a city that was to be crushed underfoot. He was fascinated by the battles of the Greek gods and the monstrosities they'd created. The Kraken, the Hydra, the Cyclops, the Minotaur, and Rory's favorite, only because he felt the most spine-chilling fear when she arrived on the screen or page, Medusa. A gorgon with venomous snakes instead of hair, whose gaze could turn onlookers into stone. In the 1981 movie Clash of the Titans, the hero Perseus, son of the mortal Danny, and the god Zeus, used the reflective underside of his shield to deceive Medusa and decapitate her, collecting her head and using it to petrify the Kraken, causing it to crumble to pieces and in turn save Andromeda. Rory had seen the film dozens of times and subsequently read up on the monsters of Greek mythology, putting them into stories of his own where the heroes he created would find interesting ways of dispatching them. He'd draw them too, the half-horse, half-human bodies of centaurs, and the multi-headed Cerberus dog. He wasn't much of an illustrator, but he felt that getting the visuals onto paper helped him when he fleshed out his stories. The writing was for his eyes only, of course, and if it wasn't watching monster movies or reading volume upon volume of Greek mythology, he'd be reading back his own tales by torchlight before settling into bed for the night. His imagination was all he held dear, and sometimes the stories he had written felt real, to him at least, as if the words were an account of something that had actually happened long ago. He just wished he were strong and noble like Perseus. Rory had been exploring the loft in his house one weekend, looking for old copies of encyclopedias that his mom had bought for him when he was much younger, but he was too naive to appreciate. Now he wanted to flick through their pages and take in all of their knowledge, even if his brother did call him a nerd when he thumbed through a book at the dinner table. It wasn't just fiction that interested him. 
He wanted to know all about the history of the world and what had come before and the real-life monsters that existed. There were damaged boxes full of football sticker albums that belonged to his brother that he hadn't filled out but for some reason decided to keep. There were also some calendars of glamour models with big hair and revealing outfits that Rory hadn't seen before, perhaps belonging to his dad. There was also a scrapbook full of crudely cut out and pasted clippings of topless women from a tabloid newspaper, many of the pages faded and torn. It was behind these that Rory found a box of action figures that he'd been given one Christmas. All removed from their packaging, so he knew that they were hand-me-downs, but he didn't mind at all. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters, even a toy car of the famous Ecto-1, albeit with two wheels missing. It was underneath these, as he rummaged, that he found an item that looked strangely familiar. He'd seen it before, in his dad's hands while he looked up at his father. It was a memory that didn't feel real, but he knew that it was, as if he'd been so young that he shouldn't be able to remember such a meaningless thing. He'd written a story about it as well, he was sure of it. It was a burlap sack, the color of sand with leather straps that folded over the top a drawstring used to seal something round and heavy inside. To the untrained eye, it looked as if it could have been used to carry a bowling ball or something similar. But Rory knew better. He just didn't know how. It contained something incredibly dangerous. He pulled it out of the box, a Leonardo turtle figurine falling onto his foot. He felt the enormous weight in his hands and knew in that instance he shouldn't open it to see what was inside, however curious he felt. He abandoned the idea of finding the encyclopedias, took the sack back to his bedroom, and hid it under his bed. He left it there until night fell, and although the urge to take a look inside was overwhelming, he resisted. He fell asleep soundly, but was awoken as day broke by a sound that resembled the distant hissing of a cat or reptile. The next time Rory approached the alleyway, where Theo and his goons attacked him and called him a name he couldn't bring himself to repeat, was the following weekend. The sky was gray, but it was hot, the muggy weather causing a layer of perspiration to appear on Rory's forehead and neck. He held the burlap sack in two arms, clinging it close to his body. Rory half expected the bullies to be somewhere else, perhaps taunting some other luckless kid at the arcade or leisure center. When he saw them walk out from behind an overflowing skip, it was almost as if he had willed them into existence. Of course, there was more name-calling, and one of the boys threw stones, none of which hit Rory. His aim was terrible. Theo, however, was in a particularly bad mood, and yanked the sack away from Rory, who reached out for it with desperate fingers. Theo dropped the bag onto the ground and threatened to kick it, but decided not to, realizing by the weight of it that he'd likely break his foot and not whatever was inside. He unclasped it and lifted the flap, Rory's mouth dry. He stopped breathing for a second as he watched Theo's eyes widen, the other boys around him laughing and joking about something else. <laughs> Rory felt his stomach turn over as he saw the glistening green snakes pour out of the bag like spaghetti would overflow from a bowl. He could hear them hissing, their tongues flecked out of their mouths and their scaled bodies slithering across the gravel. Theo jumped back his voice high and panicked. The other boys laughed, but their giggles soon subsided as they saw the snake spilling onto the ground. 
Rory leapt forwards and took a hold of a handful of the creatures, pulling hard until the rest of the contents came out of the sack with a thud. He knew not to look directly at what it was, the jade glow all that he needed to see to confirm what he was holding. He could feel the dry scalp of the gorgon's head between his fingers as he lifted it high into the air, turning it so that the tormented gaze of the long-dead Medusa was aimed at Rory's enemies. He heard a shrill noise, almost like a dog whistle, and watched in awe as the bully stood, mouths agape and eyes full of horror, rooted to the spot. Their complexions were getting paler by the second, and the glow of the Gorgon's eyes was reflected in their fearful faces. They were staring into the abyss, and the abyss was staring back, taking from them their very souls. The head was growing heavy, and Rory's arm began to ache, his forearm shaking. He closed his eyes tight so that he didn't have to see the final moments of Theo and his friends, instead relying on his ears to listen to the sound of their bodies cracking and crumbling as they turned to stone, every ounce of life stolen away from them. Rory wanted to look, but he couldn't. He was too scared and somehow worried that if he opened his eyes, he'd succumb to the same fate as the boys. Eventually, when he did open his eyes, there was nothing to see but dust on the warm breeze. The boys now vanished. Rory delicately returned the Gorgon's head to the sack, keeping his head turned in the opposite direction. He decided that when he got home, he'd write the whole skirmish down, in a brand new story with himself as the main character, and keep Medusa's head to hand for when he needed to take on another enemy in the near future. Perseus had nothing on him. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. The Gorgon's Head was written by Ben Errington, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Carl Hughes and muted by Red Labbed Raoul and Tom Robson. Hey you, listener, you lovely, lovely person you, do you use Twitter? What about Facebook? Yeah, and what about Instagram? Great, you're a being of the world, a futuristic go-getter, and we want to hear from you. What's been your favourite story? Who is your favourite narrator? Which theme just did it for you? Well, use the hashtag, the other stories, or one word, on your favourite app and let us know what you think. Or you could always go to iTunes, drop us a quick review, and leave us a message that way. Either way, we really want to hear your thoughts. Until next time.